All right, what's up? It is the Futon. My name is Mike. I'm Jeff. And this is another episode. We're going to be talking about basically what the Holy Spirit has for us to talk about and just really relying on the Holy Spirit's guidance in this episode. And we're just going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about David and uh, kind of the mindset on once saved, always saved. And uh, Jeff here is actually a pastor at my church. Uh, he's about to go to Chicago, so I wanted to get him on before he left. Uh, so, Pastor Jeff, what is your thought process on once saved, always saved? And I think it's such a huge topic. I think that times people love to argue, and instead of figuring out what it was, you'll hear some people choose that you can never walk away from God. And you can hear some people that said that, that no matter what you do, because you've been saved, you're always. And I think it's semantics. I think it's on the scale of one and a scale of 10. I think the reality is somewhere in the middle, because I do believe that you can, I can choose to walk away from God. And we've had friends that I can think of that have, were sold out for Jesus in summer. They chose to walk away. But I also don't think that you can walk that God just unprotects you just says you know what you're on your own i don't that i don't believe yeah i mean it makes sense because i mean if you think about like all of the all the people that have done wrong in god's eyes he still has his hand reached out for him and kind of like going back to peter in the boat right and when he decided to get out of the boat he had his eyes on jesus and then he took him off for a second he started to sink he was walking in the water, but then he started to sink. And Jesus had his hand reached out for him the whole time. But he didn't grab on until he was already underneath the water. And here's what's so great. That's probably the, one of the most famous or second famous Peter stories ever. And people have beat Peter up. Mm-hmm. And I think we're more like Peter than we want to admit. We all want to be like uh, John. We want to be like David. But we're jacked up. We're so emotional that we're Peter. But I think what happened with Peter is he when he starts walking the water the only person ever of humanity that ever breaks physics and walks on the water i think he was assuming that i'm with jesus jesus has commanded me so i should have his power but the rain still was happening the wind the waves the lightning the thunder and i think he began to question if i'm with you why is this going on so at times i'm wondering if he didn't just take his eyes off jesus but he was going why is this happening Right, And yet we forget the coolest thing ever is Peter walked on water. We don't get to know how many steps he took. Mm-hmm. I think we all like people perceive when they beat Peter up. He's like, he took two steps. But because he took his eyes off Jesus, don't be like Peter. But I think what we miss is it was Jesus that gave him the ability to walk through and on top of what was supposed to pull him down. Mm-hmm. And what you said, as soon as Jesus, as Peter starts sinking, Jesus was right there as soon as he says, Peter, save me. And he, you never see Jesus get frustrated like seriously peter what was i thinking but it's there he he proved himself with peter that that hit the pursuit i heard a pastor once preach that the holy spirit was like heaven's uh heaven's hounds Mm -hmm. that they're consistently pursuing you you cannot even though grace abounds it doesn't give us a license to sin right but god's desire i think it's even in second peter that it's his 
will that no one should perish. So I think uh, God's always chasing us. He, like David and Peter, you and I and, and our listeners, God's goal is for them to be brought back into the family, to be having their name uh, in the Lamb's Book of Life. What we teach kids is to have have them be made right before God. Right. And so like kind of kind of along the lines of the starting question was like with David, when he had like obviously the the biggest greatest upbringing possible like mm-hmm. you legitimately have no better champion than David when he was young and then he becomes king and he's like you said he walks away from God God doesn't walk away from him because God is consistently with him and then he finds his way back to the Lord and God calls him a man after his own heart why like i don't know like why would the bible put that in there if they want people to come to God, uh, like your mind process on that, like yeah. why would the Bible put that in there that, that even the biggest champion for God takes down Goliath, chops his head off, legitimately kills this giant with a rock, and you become king and then you decide you want to do uh, your own thing. Yeah, basically your own thing. And it's like you were promised, you were promised all of these great things. And then once you got them, you decided you didn't want the person who promised you all those things. I think it's just, I think David got success and David at some point, I think he was like, look what I have done versus look what God has given me. Look what God has brought me through. And I think very much like Peter, David's he's your manly man. I mean, he was the guy that would eat bark and uh, he was just as full of testosterone as you're going to find. But I think David, uh, had a struggle of wanting to be obedient to God, but also fighting his desire to be in charge. Because when you're that manly, you're that powerful, you don't submit yourself. And I think there was times that David struggled. But what I find it so ironic is when David and the Hobasheba thing happens, mm-hmm. God doesn't remove him from the throne. When all this happens, when uh, even to the point that Nathan the prophet has to say, go for him, like, dude, you need to get a heart check. You are, you have sinned. And you see David go through this ceremonial mourning and cleansing. He's like, I have messed up. But it's at the end of his life. And we can go through all of David's mistakes. David had so many mistakes, but at the end of his life is when he was called a man after God's own heart. Not during it, mm-hmm. not when he was beating Goliath at, the, at his deathbed. God gives him the nickname, a man after my own heart, mm-hmm. which I think is so, that's like the coolest thing ever. If God gives you a nickname, it's yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's top tier. So like, well, I mean, if you think, if you, if you say like, if you say like that, when, when David used most of his adult life, we can say that most yeah. of his adult life to sin and walk away from God. And at the very last second, on his deathbed, come back to God, right? What do you think about, like, prisoners and, like, murderers and all of those things when they, when they, when they find Jesus at their deathbed or through the prison or, you know, wherever they're being held, they find God. And then they have no way of actually, like, living out Jesus out of the outer world because Correct. they're stuck in prison. Like, how does that, like, how would you think that would 
affect their and you're asking the hard questions number one i know i don't think david so much walked away from god i think david removed god off the throne i think david struggled of he loved jesus but he also wanted to be in control mm-hmm. and i think that's where it got david in trouble so much but i think you asked that hard question because in our eyes we just saw what was it uh, the daryl brooks the guy that drove through the wisconsin christmas parade and i think he ended up getting like uh, 1200 years like six life sentences and yeah. all these things and you're asking can he come to know christ and it's like no in our mind in our in our carnal our emotions we're like no that guy needs to but it, the same grace that found david the same grace that finds you and i the fame the same grace can find them mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter where they are you literally look at the thief on the cross at his execution he's a part of this theological debate yeah that jesus finds himself stuck in the middle between two thieves and this one thief is yelling at jesus saying hey get us off the cross if you're really god's son get off and while you're at it save my neck and then this other guy's like dude zip it you and i deserve our punishment he hasn't done anything wrong and all he says is can you remember me when you come into paradise Mm -hmm. and jesus says today you'll be with me yeah and I think that for prisoners, when we get saved, we don't we don't believe by works, which means I don't have to earn my way or I have to do so many things mm-hmm. to earn my way into heaven. Now we also believe that works uh, faith without works is dead, basically meaning because I love Jesus, those things are going to be naturally coming out. It's out of what He's put inside of me. Mm-hmm. I want to be. I want to have the fruit of the spirit. I want to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And self-control it's not an assignment it's just who we are right. what he's put in us so when those prisoners in uh, death row prisoners in there there becomes a life change and we have to realize we're not the ones that decide how that happens but we're going to be in for a surprise when we see a lot of convicted murderers in heaven it's true and there's gonna be a lot of people we're gonna go hey where's this person that lived a life Mm-hmm. But they they lived the life they did. They were living. They were living for themselves. Yes, God. absolutely. Yeah, and that's like <laughs> I was like when you were when you were saying that I was thinking in my head I was just like man like if you think of like all the all the Jeffrey Dahmers or uh, I don't know like, I don't really know mass murderers um, but like if you think of like the people like Jeffrey Dahmer who even said uh, when he died that he found Jesus. It's going to be crazy whenever if the family members of the people that, you know, he harmed make their way to heaven and see him there. Like that's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy. And I think the cool part when we do get to heaven, we have this glory, we have this heavenly body mm-hmm. and the imperfection has gone away. Mm-hmm. But I think to look at that is to look at Matthew. Here he is, a tax a Jewish tax collector. Mm-hmm. And the, the Jewish people felt he had turned on his own kind and he was getting rich off uh, poor Jews. He was being partners with them. So they hated him. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, so many of the disciples were like, no, we don't trust this guy. That's why Jesus calling Matthew was such a huge thing because they would clump up uh, tax collectors with sinners and murderers yeah. and drunkards. Like that, you don't want to be a tax collector because that was like back in the day, that's like the worst of the worst. And yet, what does Jesus do? He's like, hey, Matthew, follow me. And then he's like, hey, 
We're coming to your house for a dinner party. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're throwing it. Yeah. And yet you get to see Jesus have this conversation. It's Zacchaeus. Another guy that we make, what I, I just can you imagine being Zacchaeus? He's like, I'm known in eternity for two things for being a tax collector and I made fun of for being short. Yeah. He's like, so here he is, sees Jesus, and Jesus again makes himself like, hey, Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. I'm coming to your house. Yeah. And we're going to have lunch. And we don't get to know their conversation, but we get to know the aftermath of the conversation where Zacchaeus comes back. He's like, hey, I've cheated you guys. I'm going to pay you back four times what I owe you. So we get to see Jesus chase or pursue the unlovable, the un, uh, the unreachable, as we would think, has a convert, has this moment, this experience with Jesus, and it changes them forever. Right. And I kind of, I kind of want to go back to the uh, to the thieves on the cross, because um, that also sparked an idea in my head. Was like the fact that there was three of them on the on the cross. Like there was three crosses, and each of them were were they of the same? Like did they do? Did they did the same crime? No, they did so, two separate crimes. Yeah, they did two separate crimes. Right, and so each one of them was was labeled for doing something different, and it took not only for him to say like you know like like bro like be quiet like. Jesus is the king. And if if he is who he says he is, just remember me whenever you walk into paradise. Can you imagine the amount of faith you had to have? Not like and this was somebody who didn't even follow him. This yeah. is somebody who didn't even who didn't know who he was before that. I wonder if he knew him. Because you gotta think you raised Lazarus from the dead. That that gets around, but I don't to. think he was he may not have been living for him, obviously. I mean he's got right. caught stealing. But I think so. The faith was he knows that his 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 eternity is done, or his his life is done. He's like, they've already put the spikes in. I'm 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 done. Yeah. And he's realizing that how important eternity was. Mm -hmm. And he literally says to Jesus, "Hey, remember me when you come into your kingdom." And that's when Jesus says, "Hey, today." But the other guy was still concerned of saving his neck. Mm -hmm. It was not about. It was not repentance. Right. It was. He chose, it, it goes back to your first question of eternal eternal security. Yeah. You have one guy that's literally chose to say, you know what? Hey, I heard the story about you. If you really it, show everybody and get off the cross. And bro, while you're getting off the cross, can you help a brother out? Take me down too. And then there's this other guy saying, you know, shut up. You we, And yet the other guy says, you know what, Jesus I'm coming to you. I don't know. I don't know the process. I don't know the ABCs of salvation. All I know is I know you. And everything that I've heard friends talk about, everything I've heard in towns, I think in this short moment, he gets to see this life change. And you get to see this nonverbal, where we get to see a verbal with Peter, I'm sorry, with uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus, Jesus and Matthew. You get to see this nonverbal experience with Jesus yeah. and then we don't get to go to the nice name. We just know what he, what he did. Yeah. And yet literally we, just labeled the thief on the cross. And yet he is, we will see him in heaven one day. And that dude's going to be telling us that story forever of when he met Jesus yeah. and it changed him. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's legitimately like, it's crazy because like how, how long was it literally the next day? From when he got captured in the garden 
to the next day he was like flogged. Yes. And it was literally one day. So he didn't even get to spend any prison time with these guys. Yep. So they capture they capture him. He's in the garden, and the temple guards come and arrest him. And then he goes before the Sanhedrin. They're trying to just uh, have him being of blasphemy. They're trying they're trying to sentence him to die of blasphemy. Then they go from um, the Sanhedrin, and they take him before. Uh, I'm going. Right now. Then he goes. Then he goes from somewhere to Pilate. Yeah. And even Pilate was like. Pilate tries to get rid of him, tries mm-hmm. to fully, you know, release him. And they're like, no, 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 no. He's, and you get to see this. So Jesus doesn't have this moment with, I, we don't know. I don't think there was this moment where he's just sitting down and just chilling with this guy. Yeah. I think it was, I think he felt the Holy Spirit. I think he felt Jesus. I think there was these things that he began to realize. I'm in the presence of God at probably one of the greatest moments of time where he was there when Jesus paid, not just for our sins. He was present when his sins was being atoned and forgiven. Yeah. Honestly, it's like, also, like, you got to think, like, how many people were out there before Jesus was flogged and before Jesus was carrying on his cross? How many people were out there watching these other two guys die? If you think about yep. that, like, how many how many people, like, watched that happen on the on the normal? Because, like, we, we watched The Chosen. Yeah. Have you seen have you seen the mm-hmm. episode where he walks past the people on the cross? Yes. So there was nobody out there. There was no one watching them. There was not nothing like that besides the guards. Correct. And that's it. Now you have to think like these two guys are out there on the cross, and then Jesus brings his cross out there. Obviously, somebody's carrying it for him, uh, because he's been tattered and beaten for everybody. And then there's this giant I'm, what I'm guessing is football field crowd. line of crowd just walking out to these three crosses. Now these people are in front of a huge crowd and people making a mockery of Jesus and like and his the followers watching him die. And it's like, can you imagine what was going through their heads? It's like, like this dude has, he's either one, like the, Biggest manipulator in the world, or, or he's he's telling the truth. Yeah, and I think crucifixion. That's that was that was very common in those days. I yeah. mean, it's now we don't see public execution, but now they they that was very common, and it was a very cruel way. A lot of people don't realize that when they see the picture of the cross with the arms extended, that's not actual crucifixion. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, they would bring their arms in, like here's this little uh, little bird. And you died by suffocation. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is you're having to take uh, your, I can't, I can't think of the scientific term, but you have two wrist bones. Yeah. And you're twisting your wrist bones across that spike. Mm-hmm. And it's just painful. So you have to lift your body up and on those. So you would, you would suffocate. Cruel way to die. Mm-hmm. And I think people would come out to ridicule and people were bloodthirsty at that time. That's why the Roman Colosseums, all that was so prevalent. But yet... Something was different, and I think that's what also brought the crowd. It wasn't just Jesus, but how Jesus handled himself. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm gonna be honest. If you put nails in my hands, I'm not going. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to bite you. I'm gonna try to use my other hand. Yeah. And people cursed and yelled, and yet Jesus doesn't do any of that. Yeah. And I think it surprised the guy that we now call the repentive thief. I think it surprised him because he was getting used to it. And what the other guy did. Is what had normally happened. He's yelling at the crowd. 
people that were crucified would yell back at the crowd. They would yell just words and just stuff. And people were, these exchanges of insults were happening. Yet Jesus doesn't. He literally says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And I think the repentant thief hears that and has that moment of, I'm next to the Messiah. Mm -hmm. The people that thought this guy deserves to die and that this guy has chosen to walk away from God. And yet in God's moment to save humanity, this is what I think is so cool. He doesn't see the multitude. He turns to the guy and says, today, when you breathe your last breath mm -hmm. and you breathe your first breath, you're going to be with me in paradise. Yeah. If that's not a picture of Jesus telling us it's never too late. This guy's literally in a couple hours, he's going to be dead. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus literally says, hey, today you find salvation to a guy that nobody thought deserved it, whatever happened. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's so cool. To somebody who wasn't even like, who wasn't one of the disciples. Like, yeah. you gotta think, like, there was 12 disciples for a reason, but there was 12 disciples, and this guy was not even one of them. And you think, like, like, how, how, like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But it was because he had the faith to talk to Jesus about, like, like, just remember me. And, yeah. like, literally, hit all of his heart, all of his, legitimately, he was doing the same thing Jesus was at the time. He was suffocating and mm -hmm. he was still having like he was struggling to get his words out, but he still took the time to tell Jesus like, hey, like, like this guy is the, the king of kings, teachers of teachers like this guy is it. And if you think about like, like how much struggle and strife we go through on a daily basis and this guy was literally about to die right next to Jesus. And he said, just remember me when you walk into your kingdom. And that's, that's you and I. I mean, if we go back in time, that's for people listening. If you love Christ, you, you're not who you were. Yeah. And I know I gave a heart to the Lord. I was in my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. And I my, my family is so dysfunctional, beyond dysfunctional. And I didn't know anything about I knew Jesus died for me. I didn't know why he died. Didn't know what caught. I knew Jesus died on the cross and something about three days. And then I knew Dave and Goliath. Didn't know this one. I just knew Dave and Goliath. That's all I knew. Yeah. And yet I had a guy, uh, I almost said pursue me, but it sounds like <laughs> a guy that came to my house that was friends with my sister who went to church. And for a year, that guy would come over and just share God's goodness. And for a year, I would blow that guy off. I'm like, dude, you're weird. I'm not doing this. And yet God's using, it's the same thing with the thief on the cross. Mm -hmm. God was pursuing me. God was chasing me. And he ends up inviting me to this. This is old school. This is 1900s, 1994. And I go to a church production called the uh, Book of Life where people die. And then they go before judgment. They, and if their name's in the Book of Life, they go to heaven. If not, they go to hell. And the it was such a – most church plays are so bad. <laughs> it's like, why? Our Satan had one leg. I'm not joking at all. It was so bad. Pine of Arkansas, but yet – God took the anointing and, and anointed that really bad play. And I got, I came to know Christ. I walked down that church and it was, and for us, it wasn't just coming to that service. It was that entire year where a guy named Brian Abbott came to my house every week, 52 weeks came to my house to share Jesus with me. But he did it in a way that was so 
unique. Yeah. He didn't beat me up. He just came in and used God's grace. And for a year, I can tell you God chased me. A guy that nobody thought would ever live for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget being a pastor, but people that found that I gave my heart to Christ are like, what? <laughs> Jeffrey? And it was just like, because they would never seen it happen. They had already, in a sense, ripped me off. Mm-hmm. And yet God never did. And that's what I think is so unique when we talk about eternal security. Again, it's semantics, but God's like, I I will, if I have to just put the sky open, if I have to send my son to die, I'm my will. My will for you is to bring be back with my creation. God created us to yeah. be with him. And he made that promise when he kicks out Adam and Eve out of the garden. He's like, I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna bring you back to where you belong. Yeah. Well, that is uh, that is our time for today. Uh, this has been a lovely discussion. Uh, definitely would love to have this happen again. Um, hopefully, before you leave for Chicago, you can be on our uh, – you and your wife can be on me and my wife's other channel called The Love Seat, and we can get to have another discussion like this. Uh, now, I am going to have Pastor Jeff pray us out before we – before we go off, is there anything else you want to say? No, we, we can even, if we're in Chi-Town, we can still sell technology. We can still record oh, yeah. and all that. But I think what I would tell our listeners, I think, even for those that just stumble across this, that may know you, it's like, I work with him, but what is this about that doesn't know Christ? Mm-hmm. Is that they would find what they've heard, that they would find this personal moment with Jesus. That it's not about church, it's not about all these it's about god keeping his promise yeah that we're not supposed to be who we've decided to be god is not god loves us but he doesn't love us for who we are because mm-hmm. if otherwise he would never died for us but to find a relationship with jesus yeah, let me pray for you father we love you so much and i'm so thankful god i get to spend time with my friend and god i think our listeners just got to have a peek on some of our just normal conversations so, Father, I pray that this topic of does God chase us is eternal security. What is it that God, that it would turn into a different question? Does God still love me? That answer is absolutely yes. So I pray for them right now, God. I pray that they would come to find a relationship with you. That it's not about getting saved, but it's about being made right before you. If it was only being saved, that's just a promise that we wait to get to heaven. But God, when you make us right before you and we get all your blessings here on earth as well, besides of just getting a ticket to heaven. So I pray for all of my friends that God meet their needs, see them, and make yourself real to them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. We will see you next time.